0: Thanks, Emily. Great worship. Uh, I just talked to Joan not too long ago. It surprised me. Fred Davico is already at home. Uh, the surgery, the procedure went well. Uh, it's going to take him a little while. So keep that whole family in your prayer. Uh, we're just thankful to God that he's at a good hospital and the Lord gave him grace and he's just recovering right now. Uh, We're in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 3 and 4. Chapter 3, I wasn't going to read all these names, but since we have such a large crowd here, I'm going to take my time and read them all. Y'all can laugh at me as I read them. (laughs) As we looked at Nehemiah last week, he gave a stirring speech, getting the people motivated uh, to build the wall. And we'll find out that priests and lay folks and just a, a little of a potpourri of everybody starts building this wall. They, they are unified. They are all together, and they have a heart to do the work here because the Lord is in the scene. He's behind the scene. He's moving them. He has moved Nehemiah to take this trek, and, and the, the good hand of the Lord is upon Nehemiah. Therefore, whatever and whoever Nehemiah touches, if he gets in that perimeter and gets in that circumference of people he's around, it begins, to, it begins to work on them too. Verse 1 of chapter 3 tells us, Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brethren, the priests, and built the sheep gate, The sheep gate was when they entered in, the sheep would enter in. Uh, The priest really had to walk across the street and get the sheep. I don't understand why they had to do that, but for the sacrifices. So the high priest and the priest, this was very important to them. They were working on a section containing what was, in effect, their front door. So they didn't want people breaking in. You don't want people breaking in your house, especially at your front door. That shows no respect. At least come through the back door or the window. Act like you're a little afraid. But when you come through the front door, they have no respect for you. So that's why they are building this sheep gate area. This section, what it does, it highlights the servant leadership held under the direction of Nehemiah. Uh, The priest, especially the high priest, they didn't uh, usually engage in this menial work, but this is an important time. This is a serious time. So they're all out there working, and, and they're building. We know they're building the walls, but it's more than that. They're building the kingdom of God, and that's what all of us who are believers, we have to remember that's why we're in the game. We're, we're, we're in the field. We're in the vineyard with the Lord, and we're helping him. We have the privilege for him to call us into his vineyard to help. But it says as they built as far as the Tower of, of the Hundred and consecrated it. Uh, that's at the top. Can I get that picture up there, please, sir? I might then ask you to. I, I know y'all have 20, 20 visions. You should have no problem seeing that. But <laughs> they're at the top of that diagram right now, and that's what they're working on. That's a big space, uh, acreage of land they're working on. They built as far as the Tower of the Hundred and consecrated it. Then as far as the Tower of Haniel, next to Elisha, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zachar, the son of Emri built. Also the sons of Hasaniah built the fish gate. They laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. We have to remember, it's not like they went to Home Depot or Lowe's and got the material they needed. I mean, this stuff was probably relics when they were in time. But they're building. They're, they're not letting anything get in their way because they have a heart to serve the Lord. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Urijah, the son of Kaz, made repairs. Next to them, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, the son of Meshazabel, made repairs. Next to them, Zadok, the son of Banna, made repairs. Everything done. For the kingdom of God, if you lived and followed the Lord long enough, it's not pretty. You you, you have issues. You have problems. Some of the Lord's people can make the worst of friends sometimes, the most disloyal companions at times. That's why it blows me away when Jesus says in John 15, 15, no longer, Jesus says, do I call you servant. For a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. It's easy for me to understand that Jesus loves me, but for him to call me a friend, knowing me and knowing how I mess up all the time, and he still wants to hang around me, that's special. Some Christians, you know, we we are all different. We shine in different ways of ministry or whatever. Some people shine in the kingdom of God just by complaining that that's what they do well, Uh, or they like to criticize why you are working. And I say that because these, these nobles of Tekoa that we're about to look at, they thought they were too good to join in the building of these walls here. They were saying, who does Nehemiah think he is? And in contrast, the rest of the community thought it beneath them to engage in this also. So it's just, and because what they were thinking, Nehemiah, even though he came from Persia, he was still a Jew. But just because he had been in Persia, they didn't want to give him his credit. So the, 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 the Tekoakite nobles find themselves in contrast to other rulers mentioned in Nehemiah 3. It says this, Jesus says in John 13, 14, 15, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Jesus always is servant when he was on this earth. He was the master servant. Verse 5 says, next to them, here they are, the Tekoakites, made repairs, but their nobles did not put their shoulders to the work Of their Lord. They thought they were better. Moreover, Jehoiada the son of Pasea and Meshulam the son of Besodiah repaired the old gate. They laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. And next to them, Melatiah the Gibeonite, Jadon the Maranathite, the men of Gibeon, and Mizpah repaired the residence of the governor of the region beyond the river. Next to him, Uziel the son of Ahiah, one of the goldsmiths, so you even have goldsmiths out there, working, made repairs. Also next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, made repairs. Nobody was above working. And it's like that. When, when the church is going well and, and your life is going well, it's, and it's smooth sailing, you might have time to come and do something to help the kingdom of God or come and help the church. But when your life is being torn upside down and just in turmoil and you come and still serve or you serve the Lord no matter where you're at, not just including the church, God takes notice of that. And that's what all these people are doing here. Also next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, made repairs and they fortified Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. And next to them, Rephafiah, the son of Hur, leader of half the district of Jerusalem, sounds like a pretty known guy, made repairs. Next to them, Jedidiah, the son of Hermopath, made repairs in front of his house. And next to him, Hattush the son of Hashbaniah, made repairs. Malchijah, the son of Haram and Hashub, the son of Pahathmoab repaired another section, as well as the tower of the ovens. I wonder why they called it the Tower of Ovens. Did they slaughter lambs and put them in there to cook? I don't know. I didn't have time to research that enough, but what a name. And next to him was Shalom, the son of Helohesh, leader of half the district of Jerusalem. He and his daughters made repairs. And I could not help, he's not here this evening, to think about Nick because he's so faithful bringing his two girls to church. On Sunday, I know his wife's not doing well right now, but Nick always brings them. They served at, at the VBS, including Nick, and that's also good to show. And even in this time of distress, this man is here with his two little girls, and they're working. And next to him was Shalom, the son of Halohesh, leader of half the district of Jerusalem. He and his daughters made repairs. So we have a picture of a man and his daughters working for the kingdom of God. I want you to understand the context of of Nehemiah is, this is utterly unusual here. This many people coming together in one heart, unified, it's hard to get 10 people together in a church to be unified and do something. I give Pastor Jonathan credit for unifying all of us for VBS. But it's not only Pastor Jonathan's uh, job to get people together to to be unified. That works in all of our hearts. We have to have a heart to say, okay, I'm submitting to you. You're the leader of this. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to lead you. I want you to lead me. I trust you. And that's what these these people are doing with Nehemiah here, because the good hand of the Lord also, the main thing is upon him. Verse 13, Hanan and the inhabitants of Zenoa. Zenoa, Zenoa, Zenoa. What happened in in Zenoa? Who came from Zenoa? I'm asking a question. I'm with my middle schoolers tonight. Y'all better give me this answer. Wow. (laughs) Okay, we're going to continue. Hanan and the inhabitants of Zenoa repaired the valley gate. I bet someone at home said, I know, I know, I know. You know, Fred, that's all right. You can tell them Sunday. They built it, hung its doors with its bolts and bars, and repaired a 1,000 cubits of the wall as far as the refuse gate. The King James says the Dung gate. I wouldn't want to live close to that. Machajah, the son of Rechab, leader of the district of Beth. Hasarim repaired the refuse gate. He built it and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. Verse 15, Shalom, the son of Kolhoseg, leader of the district of Mizpah, repaired the fountain gate. He built it, covered it, hung its doors with its bolts and bars, and repaired the wall of the pool of Shelah by the king's garden as far as the stairs that go down from the city of David. A very important part. After him, Nehemiah, the son of Asbuk, leader of the half the district of Bethzur, made repairs as far as the place in front of the tombs of David to the man-made pool and as far as the house of the mighty. After him, Nehemiah, the son of Azbuk, leader of half the district of Bethzur, made repairs as far as the place in front of the tombs of David. I wonder, what were these guys complaining as they were building? You know, I think they were not because they lived, once again, they lived close to the area they were, were repairing. And if I knew I could get attacked at any time, I would have bars on my doors, double, triple latches, everything. Nobody would have to come and check Victor's work. You, you usually have to check my work in everything I do, but not if I know somebody is attacking me. And that gives me a good example Genesis, I think it's chapter three or four. He tells, uh, I can't even think of the son's name, but he says, Cain, he says, Sin is lying at the door, and its desire is to have you. Same thing with the enemy you know he's always looking. We find that out in the book of Job. He's looking for a hedge that he can come into to break into. We, knowing that, should walk circumspectly. We should be reading the word. We should be in prayer. We should be doing all of those things because we have an enemy. Not only is it Satan. My biggest enemy is the flesh. I have to put that down daily but it's a job, and these guys are working here, and he's showing outwardly really what a believer should go through in an everyday walk with the Lord to walk, as Ephesians says, circumspectly, acrobose, on a tight rope. We should be walking. That, that's how we should walk no matter what we're doing in life, knowing the enemy, knowing the flesh is ready to grab us. Verse 17, after him, the Levites under Reham, the son of Bani, made repairs. Next to him, Hashabiah, leader of the half district of Kaliah, made repairs for his district. After him, their brethren under Babvi, the son of Hanadad, leader of the other half of the district of Kaliah, made repairs. And next to him, Ezer, the son of Jeshua, the leader of Mizpah. I ain't even going to ask y'all about Mizpah. If y'all didn't get the last one, you really really not going to get Mizpah. <laughs> Repaired another section in front of the accent to the armory, the buttress. Verse 20. After him, Baruch, the son of Zabbi, carefully repaired the other sections from the buttress to the door of the house of Eliashib, the high priest. After him, Merimoth, the son of Urijah the son of Kaz, repaired another section from the door of the house of Eliashib to the end of the house of Eliashib. And after him, the priests, the men of the plain, made repairs. After him, Benjamin and Hash "'Hashub made repairs opposite their house. "'After them, Azariah, the son of Masiah, "'the son of Ananiah, made repairs by his house. "'After him, Binu, the son of Hennadad, "'repaired another section from the house of Azariah "'to the buttresses. "'Even as as the corner, Palau, the son of Uzziah, "'made repairs opposite the buttress "'and on the tower which projects from the king's upper house "'that was by the court of the prison.'" They had prison in those days. After him, Pedadiah the son of Perosh, made repairs. Moreover, the Nethinim who dwelt in Ophel, made repairs as far as the place in front of the water gate toward the east on the projecting tower. After them, the Tekoaites repaired another section next to the great projecting tower. And as far as the wall of Ophel, beyond the horse gate, the priests made repairs, each in front there it is, of his own house. So they did a, well, a good job. After them, Zadok, the son of Emmer, made repairs in front of his house. After him, Shemiah, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate, made repairs. After him, Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah, and Hanun, the sixth son of Zelaph repaired another section. After him, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, made repairs in front of his dwelling. After him, Malkijah, one of the goldsmiths, Made repairs as far as the house of Nethenim and of the merchants in front of Mikkad Gate and as far as the upper room at the corner. And between the upper room at the corner as far as the sheep gate, the goldsmith and the merchants made repairs. So we know there's all kinds of people there mentioned involved doing this work. Matter of fact, the roster includes about 41 separate groups including priests, Levites, servants, goldsmiths, merchants, officials, private individuals, and women, as well as those who live nearby in Jericho, Nikoah, Gibeon, and Mizpah. Two things are apparent in this description, the level of the organization and the delegation. So Nehemiah had a lot going on. It was involved in accomplishing this task, and the sense of coordination, once again, The unity of the community, they had to come together because they were worried about attack. Each group was responsible for various sections of the wall as it ran between gates and then their houses. And other buildings, as the new wall took a different route, higher up on the crest in the hill was the lower eastern section of the city. This was God's city. We have to remember that. It was the city of David. As much as we talk about the temple, Solomon's temple, and that was magnificent, and that was great, and and the Jews said as long as the temple stood, they thought they would be okay. But in the Old Testament, it was about the city of Jerusalem also, and God had chose to put his name there. And that's why it was so important that they built walls around it. Now, for the believer, Ephesians says we should be built up. I think it's uh, Jude that says, "In your most holy faith," because once again, that you can take Nehemiah and make it out just for your individual walk. All the protection that they're doing for this wall—that's how we should protect. A believer should protect. His or herself from everyday life. We can't just, we shouldn't just walk around and and be oblivious to what's going on, uh, where you're walking to, what you're seeing, what you're listening to, as uh, Psalms 1 speaks of. No, we should be attentive to what we're doing because, once again, the enemy is out, the flesh is out to get us. And so they're providing these walls of protection, and, and, and that speaks once again to us. The Spirit indwells the believer now. That's the, we are the temple of God. It says this in Hebrews, the city that has foundations, whose maker and builder is God. He built us first when he led us into this world. We were born into this world, and then as believers where the Holy Spirit resides now, That's honorable, and we should act like it and walk like it. Nehemiah 2.20 has said, you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. He's speaking of Tobiah, Samballot, and Gershom when they tried to come in and help, and what they were really doing is trying to sabotage the work. Nehemiah knew better. And so that may sound arrogant that Nehemiah would say that, but he knows these guys. He knows what they're up to. So chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, it says, But it so, but it so happened when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. Just a chapter ago, he wanted to help. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, "What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Acts 14:22, the latter part of it says this: Paul speaking, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. I think we forget about that sometime when the bottom falls out. We forget what the scripture tells us that we're going to have trouble in this life. And we should all know that and memorize that so when things happen, it don't take us by surprise. Hebrews 12:1 tells us, let us lay aside every weight as we're running this Christian race and the sin which so easily ensnares us And let us run with endurance. It's not a 100-meter dash that you run quickly, this Christian walk. The race that is set before us, it's the race of endurance. And this should help us avoid becoming too discouraged when things don't go our way or when we get disapproval about anything. We should usually, we should really think, hey, bad things, you know, at positive thinking stuff, which I don't. I don't adhere to at all because I've been saying, I'm going to win. I'm going to win the lottery. I'm going to win the lottery. I've been very positive about that. I haven't won it yet. so. And plus I did that saying I was going to go to the NBA. That hasn't happened yet. So here I am. (laughs) But so positive work, it might help in some things, but don't put it to the test. Nehemiah's task, though, was to reassure his brothers and sisters that the opposition they immediately faced, particularly the severity of it, was nothing more than what they should expect. We should expect hard times in this life. Jesus told us that. And we have to understand that Satan hates any good that happens to us. You know, I think about him. I heard, uh, I think it was Joe Folk said, Satan never has a good day. He never has a good day. No matter, we can take it from Job, no matter how bad he got to, to do things he got to do to Job, he still wasn't happy. So he never has a good day. And that's, that's the attack that Ballot they're doing to him. And remember, it's Samballot the Horonite. Night. We, we found out about him in a second chapter. And so he's coming from Samaria. And he says, what are these feeble Jews doing? Don't respect them at all. Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? So he's posturing, he's threatening them. He's he's trying to take their spirit from them. He's giving them those negative vibes. You won't be able to do this. And Samballot he was aware that Nehemiah was an ambassador of Artaxerxes. So he knew that because of the big entourage he came with. And now we think these ambassadors, the army has went back, back home and he's here with these Jews now. And so the, he's, he's fearful of these Persian soldiers that might come. And so he's just running his mouth as the evil one always does. And one thing about Satan... When he comes at you, we know he comes to us with lies and deceit. The Bible says when he speaks, Satan, that is, he speaks his native tongue. He cannot speak the truth or he can do half-truths, but he's always out to deceive us, and we shouldn't listen to him. Like we said, we don't, we don't go and say, I'm going to do this, Satan. I'm going to do that. Michael the archangel said he did not say a railing word. But Lord, you handle him. And that's what we should do. Satan is fierce, but he's no match for a God fearing believer in Jesus Christ who knows who he is because he speaks a lie, but we turn him over to the Lord. The Lord will handle him. So he says, What are these feeble Jews doing? What a poor, incompetent bunch of people. Y'all couldn't be expecting to do this. Will they restore the wall? And you know, anytime somebody, I can get positive affirmation day in and day out. You know, you take it, you're thankful for it. But time someone gives me a negative comment, that hits me, that sinks me. Uh, I've said this story before. My dad, I couldn't have... My dad was a good man, but of all the good he ever taught me or did for me, the thing that comes back to me when things aren't going well, he'd be working on his car. He said, boy, hand me a wrench or something. And I'd run and give him a wrench and hand it to him. He said, that's the wrong wrench. Boy, what can you do? And I'm telling you, a good man, but that sticks with me more than anything. So we have to be careful with the words. If any time we can give positive affirmation to someone, that's what we should give. We, We already know the negative about us. So you're not helping me with any negative. I need the Lord. I'm like Solomon. Lord, these people, I need your wisdom to lead them. So Not only me, but everybody needs positive affirmation. And that's what what Nehemiah is doing. Yeah, that's good and well that he's getting it from the people right now. But who he's counting on, who he's looking to, who will always affirm him, even when he's did something wrong, he knows how to rearrange it that it's not so bad. That's the Lord. And so that's where we need to get all our affirmation from, and we will never be sorry about that. So they're saying, will they sacrifice? Do they think they're going to give a devotional and these walls are just going to come up? He says, will they finish up in a day? No, no way. They, They can't do that. Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burn ones, the burned ones at that? So they're just, he's just trying to bring Nehemiah down. And you have to understand these walls that they're talking about, most theologians say they were nine feet wide. So they just wasn't putting up a little picket fence. They were building nine feet wide. And when he says a fox would come on and knock him down, that's Satan just lying to them. And, and Nehemiah's not going for it, and, I, and I'm pleased with it. Paul said this. Paul, well, this is what Festus, the governor, said to Paul when he was about to testify And he did testify a little bit, and they stopped him. Agrippa stopped him. He says, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. So whenever you're speaking the truth, people will always try to shut you down. But they were building these walls. They were getting ready. They were not going to be detoured from it. They are working. And what Nehemiah understands, if these... If he continues to let these negative words come to the people, they're not strong as he is. They're not not the leader. And so he's not only protecting the people, but he's protecting his heart. And that's what we have to do with our families or our friends or with anyone. Especially men, we're called to protect. So even if you hear some bad news, it's a way you need to explain it and do everything else and look for the positive side of it because God wants us to be positive. And so that's what Nehemiah does here, and he does it very well. Verse 4, Nehemiah combats all of this, all these lies and all this negativism by prayer. That's the only reason he's building this wall now is because he prayed and got direction. It's led him this far. And prayer is going to lead him farther. Hear our God, for we are despised. He says, turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their inequity. So Nehemiah is upset a little bit. And do not let their sin be blotted out from before you, for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to the half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Now it happened when Samballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashtonites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were being beginning to close, to be closed, that they became very angry. That's the world. That's worldly people. That's unbelievers and. I'll just cut it off right there. Whenever you have success, people don't want to see you do well. They want to hear about how you floundered and your life's not that well, but when you're having success, they don't like that. And they became very angry, and all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer, he does not stop, to our God. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. If we can remember that, we can close the Bible and go home. Nevertheless, no matter what kind of storms comes your way, in this life you're going to have tribulation, be of good cheer. They're going to come. But nevertheless, we keep calling out to God. He's the God who hears. He's not only the God who hears, he's the God who can do something about our situation. And in his timing, he will. Verse 10, then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing because they're hearing all this negativism by now. Their strength is already wailing and failing them. And there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. They didn't have this problem at the beginning before Tobiah and Samballot had came with all this negativism. And our adversary, here it is, and our adversary said, that's the whole problem, they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. They prayed for God to side with them. That's what the prayer is all about. And these guys are mocking them. Sambalit Tobiah, they're just mocking them. Nehemiah has no doubt of this project. He knows it's going to happen. It might take longer, but he's depending on the Lord. He's asking God in his prayer to judge these guys. Nehemiah, he didn't get involved with personal revenge. It's not about personal revenge because he knows vengeance belongs to God. And you know, for some of us, holier than thou, and it's usually the the people who don't even know the Lord. When a tragedy or something happens, the first person they blame is God. Why did God let this happen? Why did God allow this to happen? And that's what they're doing here. They're blaming God for the misfortune of these guys, just their comments, what they are making. But once again, Nehemiah, he knows the Lord. He knows that the Lord is on their side. And he's trying to rally the troops, even though this negativity has come in. And he continues to pray. And he's praying for justice. He's not praying for revenge to these guys. He's praying for justice. And that's what I was saying from the beginning. I hear these people, especially when riots and things happen, oh, but you just need to... How could God allow this or how could God allow this tornado or how could God allow this? And they want to blame God when God has told us it's because of the fallen world we live in, but they're quick to blame God for this when they should be blaming themselves. Vengeance belongs to the Lord and and, and, uh, Nehemiah is okay for what he's saying Nehemiah is crying out for justice. He's on the Lord's side. So he's really, once again, he's not crying out for vengeance. Lord, go get them. Even though David had three or four of those prayers about, Lord, knock their teeth out. Lord, do this. Lord, do that. But Nehemiah, he's saying, Lord, because they're unjust, take care of them. A good principle is Psalms 139, 21 through 22. This is what it says. Do I not, David speaking, do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Revelation 6.10, the souls under the sea, it says this, and they cried with a loud voice, saying, now these guys are in heaven. And they're still wanting (laughs) vengeance. And they crowd with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord? Holy and true until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. So it's almost like, say a guy commits any crime is heinous, but a truly heinous crime. And they lock him up. He's got 50 years. And during that 50-year period, he gets saved. We'll say in the 25 years, he gets saved. Do we let him out after the 25 years? No, justice still has to be served. And that's what Nehemiah is saying. God, I know you're going to bring justice to these guys. I want them to get saved. But they have committed this heinous crime against you. And justice is coming, and that's what's going to happen. Verse 12 tells us this. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came that they told us, notice how many times? Ten times of what Sanballat and the rest of them had said. From whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. So that's what they're dealing with. I'm reminded of Zechariah chapter 4, the latter part of verse 6. It says this. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. These walls are going to be built. No matter how much they try to deter them, no matter how much they try to speak negatively towards them, God is doing the work. They're working for the Lord, not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. And Nehemiah knows that. Verse 13, therefore, since he knows that, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the walls at the openings, and, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And can you imagine that? I've never worn a belt before, a tool belt with all those tools on it. I know it can be heavy. But can you imagine a sword on there too? A trial. I did block laying before and all that. That's what's going on. Today, I believe the men and women of the scriptures, at least 60% of them, they would just go home. But remember, this is a picture of a person, these walls that they're building. And that's the way we should go out into the world every day. Being saturated in the word of God, and still being alert of the enemy. That's what they're doing here. Verse 14, And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren. And that's who we should be fighting for, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And it happened when our enemies heard it was known to us and that God had brought their plot to nothing, that all of, all of us returned to the wall, everyone to, to his work. I'm going to close there at verse 15. Remember, this picture of this wall is an individual. If we can get that and understand the protection he's making these walls, we should make the same protection for ourselves, the believer individually, to walk circumspect, to be aware of those negative voices that we hear, to be saturated in the Word of God so that we can live holy lives, we'll we'll walk a lot better. And that's what it's about, pleasing the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I continue to lift up Rick Shabelsky, not Rick Shabelsky, (laughs) and Rick Shabelsky. I continue to lift up uh, Fred DeVico, that family, Lord. I continue to pray just unspoken prayers, Lord, that that you need. You know my heart. You, You need to intervene. Father, I pray for every believer at Restore that we would walk closer to you, that we would be unified, that there's no task too big for a praying Christian church. There's no task that's too big. Lord, I pray for those that are sick, those that are hurting, those that just needs relief from you, Father. I pray that you will show yourself strong, I pray as we go out and do our jobs that we go to, Lord, that we will be filled with your spirit, that we would honor you by our lives, that we will be pleasing in your sight, Lord. And I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.